Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Good morning and welcome to a Wednesday edition of Krause & Company here on WHBY. I'm Jonathan Krause. Thanks for joining us today. Jam-packed show as uh, we'll be talking about the new NASA moon mission coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, folks from Little Shoot School District will be joining us to talk about their new sports field. And then in the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to meet the, uh, the new guy here at WHBY. But first, we need to go inside the headlines. And to do that every Wednesday, we are joined by Miles McGuire publisher of the Oshkosh Examiner, which you can find uh, online. And first off, uh, Miles, thanks for joining us here today on WHBY. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. All right, so uh, let's start with uh, what was happening during a special workshop session last night with the Oshkosh Common Council. And uh, they were getting briefed uh, by folks from both uh, Public uh, Works and also the DNR as to uh, what is going to be allowable with what are called the clear wells, which are part of the water intake system that we use for the water system in Oshkosh, located uh, adjacent to Menominee Park along the shores of Lake Winnebago. And uh, what were the uh, options laid out for the council and the opinions coming from the DNR as to what is currently out there? Well, the options were, um, I guess, same as before um, in terms of... uh, uh, one of them, I think the one that has people the most concerned is building these uh, basically three-story high storage tanks that would you know, hold a million gallons of water apiece. That would be really just huge, uh, massive uh, um, uh, structures on the shores. Um, the other option is to lower them a little bit by kind of making them, instead of making them round, making them rectangular. And the third option was the one that was kind of up in the air, which is, whether the community could continue to use the underground storage tanks. And uh, back, I think it was back in March or so, the the city commissioned a $140,000 study to look and to to empty the tanks, to go in and inspect them, see if they were still usable, and also to see whether there there were contaminants in the nearby um, ground because these tanks are underground. And so there's a fear that if there are contaminants there, they would infiltrate into this water, which is the water that's already gone through the filtration plant. It's yep. purified and it's ready to go into homes. Um, and so the big question mark out there was whether the DNR would, under any circumstances, allow the city to continue to keep those tanks underground and basically out of sight. Um, and it was sort of a two-part answer. Um, yes, you can do it. But um, it's going to cost you a lot of money, maybe an extra $10 million uh, to go that route. Yeah, when we talk about the inspections, it was kind of a mixed bag because it does not appear that there is any infiltration of groundwater contamination. But 
what is there is starting to break down. Right, exactly. There's there's corrosion uh, of some of some of the metal and the concrete. There's a uh, what they call shot creek um, sort of surface layer, um, and that's getting kind of mushy. And you know, part of the thing is that this this project has been going along for a long time. Um, you know, it really got into the public consciousness I think earlier this year or maybe late last year. But it's been going on for a long time, and the city has been assuming that it's not going to replace these clear wells. And so it hasn't been doing as regular inspections. It hasn't, you know, it's just sort of said, oh, well, you know, we're going to get rid of these. We, no no point in kind of keeping them up. And so there is a certain level of uh, deterioration um, that the, the state says would have to be, would have to be addressed. So they, they all, the other thing that they also want is if the tanks stay below ground, they say you've got to have kind of a another mini purification system uh, downstream so that just in case there were any contaminants, um, you can zap whatever the bugs are and things and, and clean things up there. Let's get to the bottom line on this. Keeping the current underground tanks, repairing and upgrading the system, $26.3 million. Building lower profile rectangular tanks, which would be, I guess you could say about two stories high, $20.5 million. And then building the larger circular tanks at 34 feet height, $16.1 million. And as a rate payer in Oshkosh, who does not live along the lakeshore, all I could think of was, looks like we're building some big circular tanks. But that was not the, yeah. uh, that, that was not the consensus of the city council last night in their discussion. Yeah, and, and they really are sort of... Um you know, holding fire. It's not like they said, oh, let's do this. I think they're waiting to see what kind of feedback they get from people. I think one of the problems with the, keeping the underground tanks is that it's a, you know, it's a 20 or 30 year solution. You know, DNR says you can do this for a while, but you're going to have to replace them. Now that does buy you some time. And so if, if somebody really got into this and maybe, you know, looked at some of the long-term planning and, um, maybe there would be a way to move the tanks away from the shoreline, which the city says you can't do that now because they're underground ta- underground pipes, you know, but maybe over three decades those would be moved. But anyhow, the, the real issue, I think, is that it's not, you know, the, the other two options have a, a minimum of 60 years and maybe 100 years useful life. Um, keeping the tanks underground is, is a short-term solution. And so I, I, I have to say that, I think the council is going to have a hard time, A, spending, as you say, spending more money, and then B, for a shorter-term solution. I think that's going to be tough tough to, to go with. There will be a loud minority against the taller tanks. Loud minority against. Miles McGuire yeah. joining us from the uh, Oshkosh Examiner here on Krauss and Company. And uh, let's move on to uh, another story that you had on the site, and that is the Oshkosh School District looking at a new way to handle kids who are too disruptive to be in class with other kids. Yeah. And, um, yes, so there was a big jump in expulsions um, last year. Um, And in any case, I think the... um, the, I think everybody would agree that, that expulsions is it's not a good solution because you know the the kid needs help and um, you know they're kids um, and when you expel them whatever their background and behavioral issues are 
expulsion is not going to make those go away. Um, and so what they're trying to do in, on a district-wide level with, with expulsions and with a couple of schools on a pilot level with suspensions, what they're trying to do is to find a way to um, address the underlying issues and bring the kids um, back into their home schools and try to, um, you know, do a little, I don't know, restorative justice, you might call it, but, but try to get things back um, with the understanding that, you know, the schools, you know, a school is supposed to prepare a youth to be an adult. And when you kick them out of the schools, whatever their issues are, those issues are not being addressed. So that's that's the the theory in a nutshell, I guess. This is one of those situations where um, I think there has to be a lot of grace extended to instructors because more and more kids are coming to school not ready to learn or be in a social setting. Yeah, there's, there's that. There's also the disruptions of the last two years. So whatever the normal maturation process would be, um, that's been disrupted. I mean, it, it just has. And um, I think that this is a problem that, that continues actually past high school into the universities, that we have a bunch of kids who are moving through the educational system, and they're not where we think they should be, and they're not where they would have been you know, if the pandemic hadn't hit. So long range, the goal here is to uh, get kids back on track and then mainstreamed again with their usual classmates. That's the idea. Um, But, you know, obviously, you know, as you said, you know, these kids are disruptive. And if they've been disruptive enough for a suspension or expulsion, that means that there is not um, an easy issue. The the other thing that... um, is, has been brought to the board's attention, and I think the board is aware of, is that there is a, um, and, and the, the statistics just show this, there is a racial disparity um, in terms of the fact is that black and brown students who are a minority, a distinct minority in the system, are the ones who get the heaviest discipline. Um, and I don't think I, I don't know why that is exactly. I don't think anybody has necessarily studied this, but that's what the statistics show, and there, there really isn't any dispute about that. Um, and so the district is aware that it's got to dive in a little bit more and understand, you know, what what exactly it is and whether it's, um, it's because the kids are in a particular position or whether it's because the instructional staff, um, you know, sees black and brown kids in a different way. Um, I don't know. I know the district officials would never say this out loud, but what role do you think the incident at Merrill at the school dance plays in this where the ACLU stepped in and filed a complaint saying that kids who are of color are targeted for more harsh punishments? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that it, it, it is a, a big factor. And, you know, the I don't know how many... I, I know that there were seven... I've seen that there were seven kids who were referred for expulsion from there, all all of color, black or brown. Um, I don't know how many of them were actually expelled, but if that seven is the difference between what's been more or less the average number um, for the last five years and what happened last year, apparently. So I think, you know, honestly, I think some of this is a defensive move that if the Department of Education is looking at this, 
they can say, oh, well, you know, we're, we're on it. We're trying to, to react to that. Sure. Let's talk about a new feature that is coming to the Oshkosh Examiner website, and that is called The Other Side. What is this going to be? <laughs> well, you know, um, it, it's a, uh, uh, an attempt to bring um, local opinion writing back into the local media. You know, I think that obviously, you know, your station, other stations, uh, TV, um, opinions are expressed, but... Um, Print publishers seem to have um, moved away from that. And I think that that is a, a shame. I mean, I think that there are issues that really we need more of a local perspective and, a, and an unofficial local perspective. So um, there are two, um, two guys here in Oshkosh um, who um, have they've written before, um, one for the Northwestern, and um, they we're just interested in, in doing this. And, and what we're trying to do, it's, it's called the other side is to try to um, look at divisive issues, um, but in a way that, um, you know, to, to kind of demonstrate that, that you can disagree. <laughs> you and I can disagree and not hate each other's guts. How um, to disagree without being disagreeable is the way you've labeled it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they are, they, they are um, headstrong. Uh, Tom Hertzing and Barry Perlman, and um, <laughs> they have strong opinions and they disagree. Um, and so I, I'm hoping as this this will develop into a regular feature and we'll take on different topics. There are lots of different topics where reasonable people can disagree. Um, so I'm looking forward to them airing this out and, and maybe being kind of mini role models that, you know, we can get back to a place where we disagree with each other, but that doesn't mean that we think, you know, each other is the devil. <laughs> topic one, Clearwells. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to be topic one. But oh, we'll okay. Miles, I appreciate it. And where can people find uh, the Oshkosh Examiner? Well, the Oshkosh Examiner is oshkoshexaminer.com. And right now we're having an end of summer sale. So there's 20% off if they if you want to come on down to the website and sign up. Excellent. Keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Jonathan. Have a good day. You too. Miles McGuire from the Oshkosh Examiner joining us to go inside the headlines, brought to you by Settlers Bank here on Krauss and Company. When we come back, more of Krauss and Company. And again, in the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking about space and going back to the moon here on Krauss and Company. Support local business and save money with WHBY's Big Deals. Head to WHBY.com, click the Big Deals link, and buy gift cards and certificates up to 30% off. Shop in the travel section for Premier Limousine Service and Best Western Premier Bridgewood Resort Hotel in Mina. Shop local and save money with WHBY's Big Deals. Jonathan Krauss with you here on Krauss and Company. And was just talking with Miles McGuire of the Oshkosh Examiner and uh, the new feature he is launching called The Other Side, where two opinion viewpoints will be presented by a couple of Oshkosh residents in an um, in agreeable way to disagree. However, such efforts are apparently falling upon deaf ears in, among younger generations of Americans. This from NBC News. Almost half of second-year college students say they would not choose to be roommates with someone who supported a different presidential candidate than they did in 2020. 
A majority polled say they also would not go on a date with someone who voted differently. And nearly two-thirds of them, two-thirds of them, say they could not see themselves marrying someone who backed a different presidential candidate two years ago. These are the findings of a new online NBC News Generation Lab poll of the class of 2025 as they begin their second year of college. A year ago, the Generation Lab checked in with the class of 2025 as they were starting their first year of college and found they were optimistic about their futures, less optimistic about the country's direction, and experiencing anxiety and depression. One year later, those students remain optimistic about their personal lives, continue to be down about the country itself, and many are still experiencing anxiety and depression. But the new poll also shows how divided they are politically when it comes to whom they would share a dorm room with, date, or marry. September Monstransky, who's 18 and is attending Siena College in Loudonville, New York, says, quote, I could never live with someone who supported a racist, homophobic, xenophobic, and sexist person, end quote, referring to former President Donald Trump. She adds, quote, I could possibly room with someone who's a Republican, but when it comes down to it, Donald Trump is not the average Republican candidate, end quote. Meanwhile, Ethan Strometz, 19, who identifies as a Republican and attends Catholic University in Washington, D.C., has a different opinion. Quote, a person's political views do not affect whether or not I would have a friendship or relationship with them. Many of my friends have vastly different political views than I do, but I do not let that affect our friendship. End quote. Overall, the new poll finds a combined 54% of respondents say they would definitely or probably room with someone who supported the presidential candidate they opposed, while 46% said they probably would not or definitely would not. Democratic respondents are much more opposed to rooming with someone who voted differently in 2020. 62% of them say no way, as opposed to Republicans who gave that answer 28% of the time. In addition, a combined 53% of all respondents say they definitely or probably would not go on a date with someone who voted differently from them, compared to 47% who said they would consider that. And when it comes to marriage, 63% of all respondents say they could not see themselves marrying someone who votes differently, while 37% disagreed, saying they could see themselves marrying such a person. Generation Lab founder Cyrus Beschloss, uh, from the Beschloss family, says, quote, that's a pretty powerful picture. You have Trump dorms and Biden dorms. I don't think I would have seen that when I was starting college in 2015. Man, how young is this guy? End quote. Further demonstrating how politics and values shape such college students' lives, a combined 62% say they probably or definitely would not work for a company that donated to a cause conflicting with their values, while 37% said they probably or definitely would. So that is what's coming up. You can't be my friend. You vote the wrong way. You can't be my wife. You vote the wrong way. Yikes. Let's take a break. When we come back after the top of the hour, we're going to talk about uh, something I touched on yesterday, and it disappoints me how little attention this is getting so far, so we're going to give it some time. Art Harmon, who is uh, with the uh, group uh, that is pushing for the continuation of manned spaceflight here in the U.S., will join me, and we're going to talk about Artemis and the big launch coming up uh, next Monday, fingers crossed, that will return Americans eventually to the moon and then on to Mars. That's next on Crossing Company on HBY. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. 
Krause and Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Call Peter Harbach and Sarah Kahn's at 920-250-9959 for your elder law and estate planning needs. Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Sign up for their free weekly seminars via video conference at estateplanninglive.com. Special intro music as we are going to talk about space here for the next uh, couple of segments. And to do that, we're going to jump on to the Settlers Bank phone line where we are joined by Art Harmon, who is the president of the Coalition to Save Manned Space Exploration. And first off, Art, thanks for joining us here today on Crossing Company. Oh, a delight to be on with you, Jonathan, and a pleasure to, uh, to bring the, uh, the adventure of space to all of the listeners. Before we get uh, into the big launch that is scheduled for next week down in Florida, let's talk a little bit about what is the Coalition to Save Manned Space Exploration, a little bit of its history and what you guys do. Sure, and thanks. Yeah, I founded that in 2010 when then-President Obama had killed the return to the moon and tried to kill the rocket that could take us, the one that's literally sitting on the pad today. Um, And uh, so, you know, my background has been in public policy, politics, public relations, media, and all of those things. And so it's like, well, what can I do? And, you know, everybody listening, you've probably had those moments in your life as well. If something happens where you have some expertise or interest or just want to help, and you say, what can I do? So, uh, so I started that with the goal to try to salvage the, um, this cutoff of America's future, returning to the moon and eventually going to Mars. And so, so I, I started the uh, coalition, and that's at SaveManedSpace.com, SaveManedEdSpace, uh, and the same on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So check them out, and you'll see some uh, bits about uh, the upcoming launch. Um, so in, in the process, um, you know, I, I worked with members of Congress, astronauts, and uh, so forth to try to get the uh, you know funding restored for the rocket. We were successful there. Um, I also, in 2016, was the space advisor to then-candidate uh, Donald Trump, and later uh, advised the uh, the White House. Uh, and I won't take credit specifically, but they're doing they, they were doing the right things uh, that that I advised them to do. I think Vice President Pence and uh, Scott Pace and others uh, were saying the same things. But it, it's imperative to go back to the moon for reasons we can get into uh, later. Uh, and so that's why I founded the coalition, and and we're still fighting and battling because many in Congress just don't see, you know, the need. Uh, in, in, in fact, you know, what did we do? We spent umpteen trillions of dollars over the last uh, three years or so on uh, social programs and health and COVID and whatnot, but not one dime more for space. Space exploration and, and the sciences, even so, it's it's vital that uh, that we do return to a forward-looking society, not tearing down, but building up and going forwards. And so, I've been proud to have at least a uh, small uh, part in that. 
Yep, and we'll touch on the importance of manned space exploration coming up here in a bit. But let's get into uh, what we hope is going to happen coming up on next Monday, and that is the launch of the Artemis One, which is the heavy lift rocket that the U.S. has developed uh, for trips not only to the moon, but also to Mars eventually. But what are we looking at here as step one with Artemis One starting next week? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, now this is really, really cool, and I'm glad you asked that because, um, number one, um, at 8.33 um, uh, Eastern Time on Monday morning, that's uh, next Monday, uh, I guess that's 9.33, uh, this rocket's going to take off. You can watch it live. The coverage will start a couple hours in advance. NASA.gov slash live. It's really easy. I'm sure TV and, and all sorts of other streaming will cover it. But um, this this is the first test of the rocket. And so uh, what it's going to do is it's going to go and spend 30 to 40 days orbiting around the moon and so forth, kind of like, you know, a shakedown cruise for a new aircraft carrier. You want to really test it out, see how she's doing and stuff. Uh, before you put uh, people in it, and so there's um, it, it's got a crew though. It's got uh, three what they're calling moonikins, yep. you know, like mannequins, and uh, they'll be have all sorts of instruments on them to uh, feel the measure the stresses of launch and and so forth, how much radiation they're getting, uh, stuff like that. And there'll be a few little toys. There's a Snoopy that'll be floating around and another cartoon character to show that it's weightless. Um, but the amount of data we're going to get is uh, is just going to be fantastic. And that will help uh, assure that we can launch people. Uh, because then the next one, what they call Artemis II, that'll just be going to the moon and back, not landing. And that'll probably be in year, about two years. Okay. And then maybe a year after that, so we're talking like 2025, hopefully, then we're actually going to send astronauts uh, uh, to the moon. They will land on the moon in the South Pole, where we think there's water ice. And this is really cool, because if there is water ice, you've got hydrogen and oxygen, which makes rocket fuel. You've got oxygen to breathe. You've got water to drink. You can uh, use it for chemical uh, reactions and so forth. Um, so that will make the moon not just a dead world to visit, but 
where people can actually live. So I'm really excited about this. I'm going to be down there uh, uh, watching, and uh, uh, and I encourage you all to watch, too. Again, nasa.gov slash live, uh, and then you can watch it live as well. Coverage will start a couple hours beforehand. A couple of things that are interesting about this initial flight here on Artemis 1 is that the capsule is going to go farther past the moon than any of the Apollo capsules did. And it's going to be up there for 42 days in terms of emission length, which is far longer than anything we saw during Apollo. This is so cool, you, you know, and, and it also shows, you know, the advances in technology that we can do that. And so when the astronauts are going to land on the moon, they're going to do this uh, really kind of weird orbit before they go down in order to get positioned to be able to land on the South Pole. And so this, um, this mission will be testing that orbit. You know, it'll be going out at its furthest, about 40,000 miles uh, beyond the moon. And so they'll be actually doing that when they land on the moon. It'll, it'll get into this sort of sideways orbit that'll allow them to, uh, to land. Uh, so again, it's, it's practice for sending Americans back to the moon. Um, and yeah, you, you know, if, if you're going to go out there, extend it out as much as you can. You can really, really test out the spacecraft, everything down to life support and, uh, um, and all the other uh, things on, on the spacecraft. And if it, everything works as advertised, uh, then amen, that's, that's what we want. Plus they're also doing a uh, full up test on the, heat shield on the capsule that returns to Earth, because, uh, again, the capsule itself is much bigger than the Apollo capsules that returned with three astronauts. We'll be able to send larger crews in the Orion capsule. But we don't know if the heat shield is going to work. (laughs) So that'll be excitement on the back end. Yeah, yeah, you don't want a hot seat on that flight. Uh, But you're right. Now, they do test that kind of stuff. They've got this, what they call, arc jet uh, uh, facility where they put it in and they blast this, you know, superheated plasma at them. So, uh, you know, it's kind of old tech now. We we got that kind of down pat with Mercury in, you know, 1961. Uh, But, uh, yeah, you always want to make absolutely sure before you put people into the equation. Art Harmon, who is the uh, president of the Coalition to uh, Preserve Human Spaceflight, joining us here on Crossing Company. And one of the things I expressed some frustration about this yesterday, there seems to be very little buzz about what is about to happen next week in terms of national news coverage. You mentioned that the best place to go and watch it will probably be a live stream provided by NASA as opposed to all of the -the over-the-air networks breaking into programming to show us this launch like they did back in the Apollo days and the early days of shuttle, too. Mm -hmm. Well, you're you're right, and this is really saddening because, you know, um, so as a little kid, I watched Apollo 11 I watch it land uh, and, you know, leaning forwards, as uh, Neil Armstrong said, those words that uh, will echo through history. uh, That's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. And uh, so 
But, yeah, today's media, it's all, what, what do they say? If it bleeds, it leads. And so it's all about sensationalism. Now, you, you may indeed find that the networks and, and others will break in at least for the few minutes of the launch. Um, and uh, But, you know, you watch it on NASA or even the NASA channel on cable, and you'll be guaranteed not, not just the few minutes, but all of the preparations before and uh, following it as it, it goes on. But, you, you know, it, it really does affect the public's, uh, you know, interest when the media just ignores it for the latest, if it bleeds, it leads type of, uh, of stuff. And and that's kind of tearing our society apart. Um, you know, we you, you need good news in in your life, and you don't get it from the media anymore. You know, um, you know, a million people today uh, flew and survived. Well, that's not news. One uh, one crash, that's news, and and that's sort of where we are. Um, I hope that schools will. Um, uh, in time zones where they're in class will be, as in past uh, decades, we'll watch it uh, together. But, um, yeah, back in the 60s and even the early shuttle days, it's new, it's exciting. Oh, my God, we're going to the moon, and kids are dressing up in, in uh, astronaut suits and, and whatnot. Um, we got to get back to that. That's, that's a healthy society uh, today. It's just so much not. We're talking with Art Harmon. Uh, he's the president of the Coalition to Save Manned Space Exploration. Let's get to a topic you kind of touched on at the very beginning. Why is manned space exploration so important? Because you have, we have um, rovers on Mars right now that are collecting a lot of information. We have deep space probes. We have telescopes that can shoot into the heart of the universe. So why, why should we have to have man take a risk and spend a lot more money to go out and look for these very same things themselves? Um, a bunch of reasons. That's a beautiful question. And, and there, there is there's on both sides of the argument, oh, just send rovers, it's safer and cheaper, and uh, and folks like me. Well, here, here's, here's a couple of things. Number one, um, um, one of the, uh, the, the, the second-to-last astronaut on, on the moon uh, once told me, uh, Jack Schmidt, that um, that in in he was a geologist. He he said in one minute I can do more than a rover it can in a year because he can walk over to an interesting rock. He can pick it up, see what's under it, um, and uh, and make decisions on the fly. The rovers go a few miles, uh, you know, a month and stuff like no, not not even that much. Um, but they crawl along and they find stuff. But there's going to be an estimated 4 million people lining the space coast, the east coast of Florida, uh, on Monday to watch this in person. Go to even the launch of the Mars rover, and there would be some thousands of people watching yep. it. It's the human experience you know we're you know the, the the human experience is to explore to to go you know uh, to boldly go where no man has gone before <laughs> from star trek and and that's what captures people's excitement and 
people will be watching those first steps in a few years as we are back on the moon in ways, yeah, you see the the rover, pictures of that, and it's like, okay, cool. They even put a microphone on it. That was one of the things that I tried to make sure was not canceled when they were trying to cancel <laughs> a microphone. But there's there's a mic on Perseverance on, on Mars. Um, and uh, But it, it really is just human nature to want to go and explore and if you're following somebody, then you're going to get really tied up emotionally and spiritually and everything in that, in seeing their success in, in that, you know, it, it, again, one small step for, for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Uh, rovers don't say stuff like that. No. Uh, it's you're, you're there in, in a very emotional way. And and it'll always be like that, you know, when we lost the first uh, starship to uh, Alpha Centauri, uh, perhaps in the life of some people uh, living uh, today, uh, when uh, and uh, and so forth. So everything that really captures the public, it's because they're following something that adventurous people are doing. That is correct. It is and the other the thing you mentioned there that to me makes the most sense is the rover cannot share with you the emotions and the feelings. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And you had a chance to talk to Neil Armstrong and Buzz, Arm- or Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. Uh, uh, before Neil passed away, mm-hmm. and he can tell you the human element of being out there and being the first and everything that he experienced as well. And it's not just raw data. You you got it exactly. That that is so important. And uh, and you know when they when they returned from the moon back then, uh, they went on these uh, parades through. Uh, small and large towns and cities, and everyone poured out in the streets. Again, you don't do that for a Mars rover. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the human element. Well, the rovers don't come back. <laughs> the rovers don't come back. They're disposable. <laughs> <laughs> to me, you know, I've always one said that... someone will bring one back for yeah, a museum. The greater accomplishment in 1969 wasn't going to the moon. It was bringing the guys back. We could have gone to the moon a long time before that. It was the getting back that was the hard part. Oh, yes. Yeah. And everyone was on pins and needles. Uh, and But, you know, there was like uh, 400,000 Americans at that time working day and night to get us to the moon and back to make sure the quality was there, to invent brand new things. You know, we'd never done it before today. You've got more computing power in your phone than the Apollo lander did uh, by a factor of, I don't know, a zillion or something. So, yeah, let's let's, uh, hope and pray for a successful launch and and return of this Artemis flight on on, uh, Monday and a month later for its return. And that'll help pave the way quicker for uh, 
there's new boots on the ground. Art, if you could, where can people find out more about the coalition? Sure, thanks. Uh, Save Manned, M-A-N-N-E-D, space.com. Save Manned, space.com. And it's the same on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Follow us, like us, and uh, and I'll be posting uh, photos and so forth. I'll be down there at the launch and, uh, and within a few days have some uh, cool photos. Uh, but, uh, yeah, set your... Uh, your your alarm on on your phone and uh, whatever you're doing, drop it. If you have to go to the bathroom to watch it because <laughs> you're at work or something, it's worth it. Um, and uh, and it, it's just really going to be, you know, American exceptionalism and the triumph of the human spirit at uh, on on full display. Seven thirty three a.m. on Monday, if everything goes as scheduled. Art, I appreciate the time and uh, enjoy that uh, launch down there. I'm imagining it being even more loud and exciting than the shuttle launch that I got to see right before the program ended. It will be, and I've been to shuttle launches, and yeah, this is the kind of thing that, I don't know if this will come through in my voice on the radio, but, you know, this uh, yeah. type of thing, it, it really hits you. So uh, so if anyone has a chance to get down to uh, uh, Kennedy Space Center, um, anytime, uh, there's, there's like every week, there's a SpaceX rocket going off, and... Uh, and sometimes others too. So, and once in a while, there'll be two launches in a week. So, if you're ever down there for Disney or anything like that in the area, go to the Space Coast, watch a launch too, and uh, and and feel the awe of uh, of uh, sort of one of our greatest triumphs of technology. Yeah, they've done a nice job with the visitor center there as well. It, it was taken away from NASA. NASA used to put it on, and they ran it like it was an actual government agency, and it was kind of boring. Now they have a private contractor in there, and it's actually pretty exciting. And you get to see a full-size shuttle, a real one that went to space. So, all right, I got to let you go. I appreciate the time, and uh, have a great week. Thanks. You bet. Appreciate it. Thank you now. Art Harmon from the Coalition to Save Manned Space Exploration talking about uh, Artemis One launch coming up on Monday. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about something more terrestrial, a new football field and soccer field and sports facility for Little Shoot High School. We're going to talk with some of their administrators about the effort uh, from the community that went in to making that new facility available for kids in Little Shoot. That's next on Kraus & Company. Kraus & Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Find their offices in Appleton, Green Bay, and Oshkosh or online at hooperlawoffice.com. For your elder law and estate planning needs, Hooper Law Office providing a pathway to your legacy. Jonathan Krauss with you here on Krauss and Company. And uh, while most of our area high schools and uh, school districts are not back in session, high school sports has already started. And that means uh, teams like uh, girls soccer and boys football hitting the fields. And at Little Shoot, those teams are hitting the field on a new field. So let's bring in both uh, the Little Shoot District Administrator, Heidi Schmidt, and also the Director of Activities, Kelly Wallace, joining us here on Crossing Company on the Settlers Bank phone line. First off, ladies, thanks for joining us today on WHBY. Thank you for having us. Good morning. You bet. So Heidi, let's start with you. What is new over there at Little Shoot High School in terms of the field that the kids will be able to play on? And uh, when did you have like a special opening for it? Yeah, absolutely. About 12 months ago, we secured our first sponsor and took on the project um, to get a multi-purpose turf field here at Little Shoot. And so as we spent this summer really having weekly construction checks and making sure that everything was on, 
on timeline to be finished for our fall season. We marked uh, marked, marked August 22nd as our ribbon-cutting ceremony, and so on Monday evening we had over 100 community members. This was an invite. Um, we invited our donor, donors and our sponsors and our leadership team to really come together and celebrate as a community how this turf will be used for not only our athletes, but certainly all of our students and community members here in our in Little Shoot. Heidi, did you run into any supply chain issues or construction snafus? Because that's kind of become the norm here in the post-pandemic boom. Yeah, that's a great question. We certainly were nervous about that. You know, we really trusted our partner point of beginning and the contractors that we had. We had a few snags here in this last week, but I would say really overall, we were really pleased with our weekly checks and staying on target, and we supply issues were not any of our concerns. Kelly, as a director of activities, you're probably best to answer this. What are the benefits and really the need in the way that we run high school sports now for a multi-purpose artificial surface for outdoor sports as opposed to the grass fields that I grew up playing on? Yeah, I think this turf field is going to be um, so beneficial for our entire community. First and foremost, we're able to bring our soccer teams back to the Little Shoot High School campus. Um, They were playing at a local park on a grass field, and now we can bring them back to our campus. They have access to athletic training services. They are playing on a consistent surface, um, both for practicing and for playing. And they get to be more of our community, part of our community, whereas when they're at a local park, it just didn't seem like it had that community feel. Um, The turf will also provide access for our football programs. Uh, We have a middle school level program run through the village, and we obviously have our high school program. Both of them will be able to play and practice on the field. And, you know, we can now play rain or shine. You know, now the only thing that's limiting us is, conditions such as lightning. So that's really exciting um, for athletics. And then on top of that, you know, we have uh, quite a few students (laughs) that go to school here on this campus. Um, We have kids that range from kindergarten through 12th grade here at this campus. And so we can get them outside for physical education classes as well as recess. So we're really excited for everything that it will bring for our district. What are the benefits then of going with the artificial turf uh, in terms of just plain old maintenance? It must save you a lot of money not having to go out and mow. Yeah, so obviously there's big maintenance costs when it comes to having a grass surface from, um, you know, mowing the lawn uh, or mowing the field to um, lining the field. Um, And then it's just inconvenient because every time we're out there doing maintenance, people cannot be on the field um, for their given activities. So it'll be really nice to be able to have that consistent surface at all hours of the day. And it actually makes for a somewhat safer playing surface, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, it's it's a consistent surface, and I think that's the biggest thing that it offers us is we don't have to worry about divots and holes. And then we also installed a shock pad underneath the turf that will also provide uh, for safety. Yeah, and this isn't the artificial turf that we remember from the NFL back in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, Describe for us how the new turf fields are put together and then some of the ways that they're able to absorb shock, as you mentioned, when players are tackled or fall and maybe hit ahead. 
Yeah, so there's always the option of adding a shock pad underneath the turf um, surface, and some school districts choose to do that and some do not. Um, we thought that it was best for our students to add that extra um, bit of shock absorption, so we determined um, to put that down. Um, and then, you know, there are various types of turf. Um, we we kind of trusted our the people we were working with with Point of Beginnings and helping us um, drive that decision-making, um, but then they put in um, infill, which also adds to the shock absorption. So these are the little rubber pellets? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it it was interesting. The first time uh, uh, they installed that turf down at Camp Randall, it's the first time I ever saw it and it was on it. And it was crazy how soft it felt under your foot, but still supportive. But then I noticed a lot of the players, after they were sweating, they were covered in just these little black specks as they pick up the uh, rubber pellets. So it's a new look. Instead of mud, you're covered in small little rubber pellets. Yes, and you often find them in your shoes. Yes. Uh, We are talking with uh, Little Shoot School Administrator Heidi Schmidt and uh, Activities Director Kelly Wallace here today on Krause & Company about their uh, new turf field that will be used for multiple sports at uh, Little Shoot High School. And uh, Heidi, back to you. What was the cost of this project? Uh, We originally quoted this project at $1.475 million. Um, when we was around February, we probably pivoted and said that we wanted to take out the guest bleachers, stadium bleachers. We wanted to make sure that the turf was attainable in the project. And so we took that out, which brought our total, our target down to 1.275. So we have, um, we're still collecting money, but we did have enough funds collected. Our community came through with a million dollars. To over, you know, about a million dollars in donations to really make sure that we could make it happen. Kelly, I'll toss this out to you. What was the um, fundraising process like, and who were some of the uh, local community businesses that also stepped up and are helping out with the cause? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, early on, uh, we focused on getting our corporate sponsors. That was kind of the direction that Point of Beginnings gave us as far as a good, you know, fundraising effort always starts with good corporate sponsors. So first we came through with um, Unison Credit Union, and um, their donation um, gave naming rights to the stadium. So now um, when people come to uh, Little Shoot, they will see Unison Credit Union Stadium is now the name of our stadium. Um, we also had some scoreboard sponsors, um, Prevea, Colosso, um, Myron, and Fox Valley Tool and Die all um, donated for our scoreboard. And then we have some various tables on our concourse. 
um, that we offered up for sponsorship and um, Bank of Little Shoot, uh, Ascension, Wisconsin, and also Burke Highland Vanders and Funeral Home all um, sponsored those areas. And then after that, it was really a cumulative effort with our fundraising committee. Um, we just have some very passionate community members who just started knocking on doors. And um, they did not like to hear the word no, so they just kept, <laughs> they kept asking. Um, and so we have a variety of people who came through donating anywhere from $5, you know, to uh, many thousands of dollars. And so we were able to recognize all of those individuals in that collective effort, and we have a nice signage as you enter Unison Credit Union Stadium. One thing we should note, it is still Fitzpatrick Field. That is correct. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is Unison Credit Union Stadium and Fitzpatrick Field. Okay, because I know a lot of people you know, remember Coach Fitz and they want to have that yep. honor. It is still out there. It is. Okay. Uh, so you did not have a home game last week for football, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. We were at Winniconne last week. All right, so what's the plan here for the first game on the new field? Well, actually, our first game on the new field is going to take place on Thursday night, uh-huh. and that will be our boys' soccer program. They will take on Clintonville, um, and then boys' football will play on Friday night against um, a Bay uh, Conference opponent in Xavier. Okay, excellent, and a uh, perfect opportunity for people to come out and see uh, all of the great work that was uh, done out there for the new Unison Credit Union Stadium at Little Shoot High School. Ladies, I appreciate you joining me, and I look forward to doing some games out there with the new facility. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you you for having us. All right. Again, uh, my thanks to uh, joining us here today was the um, district administrator and uh, the uh, also the athletic director, excuse me, activities director out there at uh, Little Shoot High School, and that is Heidi Schmidt, the administrator, and uh, let's see here, notes, Kelly Wallace. Director of Activities at Little Shoe, joining us here on the Settlers Bank phone line. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll get to a couple of odds and ends, and then we're hoping in the 10 o'clock hour that uh, a new voice on WHBY will be able to join me in studio. We'll get to know him a little bit as he starts to learn the ropes here in the Myron Construction Studio. That's all coming up on Crossing Company on HBY. Back on Krause Company here on WHBY. Jonathan Krause with you today, and it's a big day. Big, big day. It is the very first day that those of us who are looking to play golf at the old course of St. Andrews in Scotland next year can apply for a tee time. I've mentioned uh, previously that uh, looking to take a trip to Scotland in celebration of what was my 50th birthday this year, but doing it next year because of logistical reasons. And the entire trip hinges basically if you will on getting a tea time at the old course and as you might expect it being the most historic of all golf courses in the world demand is pretty high so there's three ways that tea times are divided up one is uh, what's known as the uh, advanced tea time registry which we are applying for today then there are a lot of uh, there's a handful of companies that contract with the Royal and Ancient Golf Association, and they are given tee times, blocks of tee times that they can sell through their tour packages. And then there's called the daily ballot, where you can apply 48 hours in advance of the day you want to play out there, and then it's a lottery system, same as the 
the predetermined tee times that we're applying for today. It's a lottery as well. And what you do is you give them a window of time that you would like to apply for, and you can apply for up to three windows. So what we're looking at right now, due to the use of the old course and uh, some of the times that we have available coming up in 2023, we're looking at a mid-July pre-EAA week (laughs) trip out there. And then uh, something that will be in uh, later to later September and early October, when things could get really dicey in terms of weather over there in Scotland. But you take what you can get. And uh, this is about a three-week process where international applications are accepted. And then the Royal and Ancient goes in, and they look at who's asking for what dates. And then stuff is allotted. And we find out probably about mid-September if we have a date. And if we do, then the rest of the trip gets built around it. All the other courses you want to play, you start reserving tea times there. You start reserving the Airbnb, which I think we're going to go with in terms of lodging. And then you start working on getting your uh, airline tickets. We have decided to forego personal transportation in terms of renting a vehicle and also on not going with a designated driver, uh, someone who literally would hang with you for the entire week, driving you from golf course to golf course, distillery to distillery to sample scotch, of course, restaurant to restaurant, and then uh, wherever you're staying. Uh, He basically picks you up in the morning, drives you around all day, drops you off at night. There are people who make their entire living that way over there. And uh, we're going to uh, make a go of it with public transportation. Because, interestingly enough, major train lines run adjacent to most of these golf courses. And it's not unusual for someone to strap a bag on, get on the train, ride for an hour, get off, and walk to the clubhouse from the train station. So we're going to give that a go. Very Scottish experience there as well. But, again, the application goes in today. We have all these grand plans where there's four of us going, and each of us were going to apply for these windows. Well, then you get into the nitty-gritty of the application process, and it turns out that only one person per group is allowed to put in an entry. So you can't have this, well, four of us will enter, and I'm sure one of us will get it kind of deal. It's one and done. So let's hope that Brian does a good job putting in that application today, (laughs) And, and we get the nod. Otherwise, it's the backup plan, and now you're looking at one of the tour operators having to go through them, or you just hope to win the uh, the daily lottery and or just go and stand in line. And if people don't show up, they send you out as well as singles. But again, fingers are crossed today. Send lots of good thoughts our way. Let's uh, take one more break. I'm actually a break behind here because we went long with Art Harmon at the start of the uh, hour here. So let me take another break, and then uh, we'll preview the 10 o'clock hour and uh, get you to the top of the hour as well here on Cross & Company on HBY. Got some Packers news here this morning. The team has traded to offensive lineman Cole Van Lannen to the Jacksonville Jaguars for an undisclosed draft pick. General Manager Brian Gutekunst announcing the transaction today. Van Lannen was drafted by the Packers in the sixth round of 2021 and was on the practice squad for most of his rookie season. He was elevated to the active roster for three games, appearing in one of those. He is a uh, former mighty Bayport Pirate as well. So best of luck uh, to Cole as he heads to Jacksonville for an undisclosed draft pick today. Another break and then uh, back with another hour of Krausing Company after this on WHBY.
Krause and Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Call Peter Harbach and Sarah Kahn's at 920-250-9959 for your elder law and estate planning needs. Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Sign up for their free weekly seminars via video conference at estateplanninglive.com. Jonathan Krause with you on Krause and Company, and we welcome into the studio a new voice that will be joining us here on WHBY. His name is Ben Kaminos, and first off, Ben, thanks for stopping in to join us on Krause and Company. Thank you so much, and thank you for getting Kaminos right. That's a that's a nice change of pace. Thank I, you. We uh, were told that it rhymes with dominoes, so <laughs> that made it a lot yeah, easier. Good, good. Yeah, now, no, fantastic. Now, personally, I think Caminos yeah. would sound even better. Because that yeah. it's like wild horses out there. Exactly. Or the El Camino yeah. has that cool aspect to it. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Maybe I'd consider a change. All right. So like uh, because we like breaking news here on Krauss and Company, uh, we can let you know that Ben will actually be replacing me yes. after Labor Day weekend. Well, no one can replace you. I'm going to try to fill the shoes at least. Well, I'm being moved. Yes, of course. To yes. a less threatening airtime. Four to six. <laughs> We're going to have a new uh, news-based program for you in late afternoon drive from 4 until 6, as I mentioned, Your News Now with Jonathan Krause on WHBY. That's fantastic. How do you like that? I like that a lot. What's the name of your show going to be? Uh, it's going to be Outside the Box with Ben Kaminos. We're going to do, be doing political talk both sides of the aisle, and I tend to approach things from a very different perspective. So we're going to go to all sorts of different places on that show. Interesting. Yeah, mm. very excited. Yeah. I tried to keep my libertarianism under control as much as I could in here. I dig it. During the I show. <laughs> yes, let's, uh, let's learn a little bit about you. Uh, where are you from and uh, where have you worked? Uh, well, I'm from Pittsburgh. We say we're from Pittsburgh, but I kind of get the similar vibe here. It's a bunch of smaller towns that make up Pittsburgh. So I'm actually from somewhere called the North Hills, which is about 20 minutes north of Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, but a big Steelers fan, big sports guy in general. Thrilled, obviously, Appleton. I can tell already you guys are all about it here as well, so I'm going to fit in great. I'm still going to be a Steelers fan, not a Packers fan, but uh, you know how that goes. But, yeah, first time in Wisconsin ever, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Now, by the way, uh, Ben brings the uh, status of Steelers fans here at Woodward Radio Group back up to three. Ooh. We had three for a while, okay. and then Heather Storm, who was on one of our sister stations, left to become a consultant. Mm. <laughs> So we were down to two, yeah. me and then one of the ladies uh, back in the traffic area. But now we're back up to three. That's fantastic. And I'm encouraged by that. So is there, because every city I've ever been to has a Steeler bar. Do we have one here, or are we opening one up? No, uh, okay. we really don't have a Steeler's bar. Okay, well, that's the next step. Then. Yes, it is. anywhere you go, even in Baltimore, there's a Steeler's bar. Oh, are you of course. kidding me? So like, we got to get one up here. Uh, one thing you're going to find, though, is that Packer fandom and Steeler fandom Almost exactly the same. Very similar. I actually, I was at the Super Bowl uh, 45 when it was Packers, Steelers, and I met a ton of Packers fans. We talked about that quite a bit. There was a lot of overlap in how we carried. Quite frankly, Packers fans are more respectful. Yeah. I'm going to be honest (laughs) with you. Really? They're very polite compared to Pittsburgh fans. Yes. Okay. I will agree because when going on the road to other. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Places yeah. outside of Lambeau mm-hmm. as a Steeler fan, you're not greeted warmly. No. Here, I only once, that was the Yancey Thigpen game, if you remember that. That's the only time I ever had to almost fight my way out of Lambeau Field. Oh, yeah. There was a guy who wanted to kill me for, 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 for being a Steelers fan. Oh, just for... <laughs> yeah, I mean, when a game He'd had a like few. That, of course, and that was an intense game. Yeah, so... and it was Christmas Eve, you know, so emotions, emotions were running high. Were high. Exactly. You didn't know if Santa was coming or not. Didn't find the Super Nintendo for his kid. He knows he's going to hear about That's it tomorrow. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, one thing you should know is there's a connection. Uh, Steelers and Appleton, Rocky Blyers from Appleton. I do know that. So. Yes, sir. I know. And he's fantastic. Great story there. Obviously, great people. And like I I love this city. I haven't had time to check it out yet, but you can tell Rocky Blyer if that's any example of the type of people coming out of this city. It's fantastic. It is. And in fact, his parents were bar owners. I don't think um, it's their bar anymore. I, it's been a long time since I looked into this. I'm oh, sure yeah. if I asked someone to call us right now and say, hey, what happened to Rocky Blyer's parents' bar? They'd be more than happy to add that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not familiar with the story. So give us some of your radio experiences then, too. Uh, so I'm coming from KDK, Pittsburgh. Um, I started, well, honestly, I started from the bottom. Like I was, uh, I was in sales at first, not radio sales. I quit my job on a whim. and I was passing out magnets under tents, and that's how I started, worked my way up from there. Uh, I've been a talk show host, fill-in talk show host, since the middle of last year, and I've been producing the basically your show, but in Pittsburgh. So three to six was the PM drive. It was a very similar news program. Okay. So that's why when you said that, I'm like, ah, very familiar with that format. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's my background. I honestly, the first time I ever touched a board was my first day at KDK Radio. I didn't go to school for this. I didn't. I didn't even start my media career until I was 30 years old, and I'm about to be 35. Interesting. So yeah. So. Very different route. Honestly, the more I'm in radio, the more I realize a lot of us have a similar story. <laughs> but um, I started in radio in, at the age of 24. I okay. went back to school for broadcasting. Okay. I went to Clown College over in uh, the Twin <laughs> Cities. I mean, excuse me, Brown College <laughs> over in the Twin Cities. Okay. And then uh, started up in Marinette Menominee, which is a border situation between Wisconsin and the UP. Marinette's on the Wisconsin side. Menominee's on the Michigan side. I worked on the Michigan side, but made sure to continue to live on the Wisconsin side, so I was never a youper. There you go. That's the, that's, that's the right move. We have plenty of people do the same thing with Wheeling, West Virginia, and WVU. You keep the residency in Pittsburgh because sure. you can't, so I get that. I know how that goes. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, that's interesting. So what did you go to school for originally, then, if you weren't doing Political like- science. Oh, honestly, that's a good combo. That's- it comes in handy occasionally. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Nice. Uh, now, you mentioned you were at KDKA. That was the first commercial radio station in America. Yes, and fun facts. I was actually producing the shift when we uh, switched over to FM, and I was producing on the 100-year anniversary, which I know we have coming up here as well. We do, yes. Um, but, yeah, that was the first 100-year celebration there. So, yeah, a lot of history just in the last year and a half taking place there. Really cool place, but, yeah. Yeah. Excited to be here. So it's uh, Ben Kamenos, host of Outside the Box, which will be uh, starting the Tuesday after Labor Day. By the way, your news now uh, with me, 4 to 6, that's going to be starting a week later because I'm in a couple of golf tournaments the week Uh-oh. after Labor Day and priorities. Of course. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know, biggest regret, I think I'll have to learn when I'm out here. My dad's going to give me crap if he's listening to this right now, but uh, he always tried to get me to learn how to golf. I'm like, I have no interest. I don't want to do this. 
everyone in this industry golfs. Every single person I see golf clubs everywhere. There's a lot of downtime, and it's a good way to network yes. as well. Yeah, so I think I need to start getting better yeah. at it because uh, – how many you got? Then I sound like I'm talking to 15 people back in Pittsburgh. Like, oh, I'm not going to be at work. I have three golf tournaments tomorrow. I'm like, See, where is this? So, yeah, you got the priorities in order, though. Is it a uh, competitive or charity stuff? Uh, it is competitive. It is the Ooh. State Senior Open. Oh, get out so of here! Okay. I turned 50 at the end of July, which made me old enough to play in it. And as I like to say, you can only be the youngest player in the field once. Once, right. So that's my huge advantage. I'm and the youngest dude. You got right. You got to set the standard now. You <laughs> win right. now, and all of a sudden, like you have a chance. I'm not to winning. Really? You don't think so? No. You don't have it? Okay. No. If I finish top half, because this is an open, so there are guys who are pros who will be playing in this tournament. <laughs> okay. I'm a lowly amateur. Sure. But still. Okay. All to right. go out there and see how you compare, that's yeah. the fun part. Okay, see, and that's you're going in with the right attitude. So top half, that seems like an achievable feat. It is. Okay, good. All right. Well, I'm, I'm wishing you good luck, I and mean, we'll be talking between then and now. But I, 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 I have faith in you here. Uh, did you want me to call in live from the golf I course would with love updates? That. Actually, we'll <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> Let's check in with Jonathan, who's on the eighth hole at the State Senior Open. Yeah. How are things going out there? Shot a 79. Oh, how'd you do on the back nine? Ah. <laughs> Um, I don't think 79 is going to be low enough. I'm thinking oh, yeah. 76 each day. Yeah, okay. That's four over. Eight plus eight for the tournament. That could be that could be top half. Yeah. Based on what I've seen from previous years. Oh, no. I meant 79 on the first nine holes. And then where, where are we? A little bit better than okay. that, Ben. A yeah, little that, bit better. That was the joke. That was the joke always. <laughs> I just walked past. I hear I shot 79 yesterday. Oh, what about the second half? You uh, talk about... Um, you're a big sports fan, but what uh, else, what other interests do you have? What do you like to do outside? Oh, uh, I'm a movie guy. I mean, I'm and like, don't get me wrong. I love my mainstream movies. I hate to admit it, but I'm a big Marvel movie guy. I can't get enough of it. I know they're killing Hollywood, but I can't help it. Like, and I'll be there the first weekend for everyone in perpetuity. But uh, I'm very much in the uh, independent underground sure. movie scene. Like, I will see stuff that people have never heard of. They call them Ben movies, where I come from. And I, I just, I love cinema. I know all the little details about that stuff. I go to the theaters. When I was in sales, I would take one day a week and just go to a movie by myself and just go catch a movie. That's always just. That shows you how hard uh, it is to be in sales. Yeah, honest to God. I'm going to go to a movie today. Yeah. The first time you feel a little guilty, the fifth time you're like, no, this feels right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get the theater on the air to advertise? Uh, so I was never in media sales. I was selling actually oh. copiers and concrete optimization software. Okay. So yeah, and I just I'd have two hours in between meetings. I was like, I could cold call or I could see Mad Max Fury Road. Which one of these are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you were only taking money out of your pocket because I'm right. sure it was all commission. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's we should have had you in here yesterday because Michael Seibel, who is a Hollywood director with connections to this area, he was in. And he just put out a, a small independent film, as you mentioned. It's called The Mulligan. It's a golf movie as well. Okay. Uh, but he's been involved in a whole bunch of stuff out in Hollywood. So uh, he's said he'd be more than happy to come in and tell Hollywood stories. So there be, you go. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to talk to him, especially in the independent scenes. I'm more of a uh, – I grew up since I was five years old. There's a video of me sitting on Santa's lap asking for Nightmare on Elm Street because I loved Friday the 13th. <laughs> That's how I grew five up. Five years old. Yes, mm, a big horror movie a lot. guy. Yeah, right? Oh, just get ready. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a quirk. I have a lot of little quirks like that, and they're going to come out the more you get to know me. But, uh, yeah, I grew up on them. So, yeah, the movies – yeah, politics, all that. Yep. That's that's. How about uh, how about everything else? Anything else you like to? Uh, spend oh time boy, on? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a Pittsburgh most bars per capita. I used to be a craft beer guy. I'd be all over the place, but uh, I'm allergic to beer now. It happened when I was 28 years old. 
I know. I didn't even know that was, well, I know that was possible. People yeah. with celiac disease yeah. have an right. issue with beer. Yes, and I can't figure out what the issue is because I still, I can eat weed, I can do all that, but I can't drink beer like I used to oh, where I was. And I, there's so many, there's so many places out here and I'm devastated because I definitely would have uh, had my, had a field day. I don't know if I can handle that. You know, there's a, there's a disease you get that when certain types of ticks bite you, yeah, you develop disease. an allergy to yeah. red meat. Yeah. I don't know if I could go on really? if I came down with that. <laughs> so I'm very meticulous after I'm done with the round of golf and I might be helping people look for balls yeah, in ticks, tall grass ticks. of the woods. Make sure there's no ticks on me yeah. so that I don't you know, lose the ability to eat red meat. The, uh, the girl I was dating at the time when the transition happened, she's like, oh, the same thing happened to me with ice cream. And I was like, trade me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Although the good news is you're missing out on all the IPAs that everybody thinks is the only beer that needs to be made nowadays. Yeah, that's very true. I wasn't big on them even no. when I could drink them. Yeah. No. no, I hear you there. I'm a good, uh, I like uh, German Hefeweizens. You know, and something that's cloudy and crisp and a little yeasty. Oh, man. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. But overall, really, not a big hobby guy. I'm just a big social butterfly guy. Okay. Like if there's an event going on, I'm there typically. So that's where I'm at. What kind of experiences uh, have you been able to take part in here in Wisconsin so far? Because I was thinking, you know what? We should really put together a big, long list for Ben of things he has to do. Oh, please do. But honestly, like, I don't know how much I talked to you about this yesterday, but I drove through the night. I left Pittsburgh Monday at 11 p.m. Oh, I thought p.m. you flew in. No, you I drove, drove from 11 p.m. That's why I okay. looked all disheveled like that. I just, I, Oh, but, I just figured that was your look. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in radio, uh, not many guys show up to work in a suit. I, I get that. I get that. But yeah, I, I seriously, I, I'm being literal when I say I arrived in Appleton probably five minutes before I got to the station. I was here all day. I went to Walmart from here, bought an inflatable mattress because I don't have any of my furniture yet, <laughs> and uh, and set it up in the apartment, kind of set up any stuff I do have and passed out by 8th. BJ actually yelled at me and said I had to go to bed because I'd been up for like 37 hours at that point. And uh, so I have not. And then I woke up and came here. So my Appleton experience is very limited thus okay. far. So, All right, so among the things we're going to have to have you do is we're going to have to get you some uh, deep-fried cheese curds. Yeah, okay. I don't know if you've had that. I haven't. Okay. No, and I'm a cheese guy. I am a picky eater, but I'm a cheese guy, so that'll be good. All right, so that also means we're going to uh, Kroll's West up in Ashwaubenon for the what is a true butter burger. Don't fall for Culver's. Those aren't real butter burgers. Okay. Kroll's West. They have real butter burgers. See, I'm debating if I should let you into this part of my personality this early in our, oh, okay. in our friendship or not. <laughs> um, here's the deal. I really don't like mixing mixing stuff. Like, my burgers are very plain. I typically get buns and burgers. So, like, if you're going to put a burger in front of me with, like, 16 different things on it, I no, don't no, know. No, no, no. The only thing that needs to be on there is the, the actual, butter. Okay. Yeah. So, imagine two grilled patties with two slices of American cheese and then about a quarter stick of butter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, They're right. all mashed together, cut in half. You pick it up. It's just running down your arms. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can get behind that. Yep. Oh, uh, we don't have pierogies here. No. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm a terrible Pittsburghers. Pierogies and permani sandwich. Are you familiar with what oh, a yeah. permani sandwich is? I've we, been there. In Pittsburgh, we put French fries on our sandwiches. Yes. But as I said. And coleslaw. Exactly. That's too many different ingredients, plus all the other <laughs> stuff. So I'm not doing that. So, like, I'm imagining you having like the hot lunch tray where separated. everything is separated yes. Yes. and nothing's allowed to touch each other. I'll tell you, the, the longer you guys get to know me, everyone <laughs> at KDK always hard. Because here's this sums me up in a nutshell because I love breakfast food. I love bacon. I love eggs. I love cheese and i love bread cold day in heck i'm eating a bacon egg and cheese sandwich okay yeah. <laughs> that's that's what you're dealing with here all right well that's ben Kaminos. <laughs>
We've Maybe just barely scratched the surface oh, here so far, know. Ben. Yeah. yeah, you don't even know. Outside the box, starting the Tuesday after Labor Day. Uh, so let me uh, take a break here. We're going to bring in Zach Morris, our senior Packers correspondent, because we have a little bit of Packers news today. And then also, uh, the final preseason game is tomorrow uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. And apparently, the Packers have decided that Aaron Rodgers doesn't need any preseason play. I Again, honestly, I would agree with that sentiment. Ben never got any, and it's never. I was like, "Oh, he's going to be terrible." <laughs> <laughs> not, not you, Ben. No, ben yeah, Roethlisberger, of course. All right, so Zach Morris joins us next here on Crossing Company on HBY. Krauss & Company is brought to you by Hooper Law Office. Find their offices in Appleton, Green Bay, and Oshkosh or online at hooperlawoffice.com. For your elder law and estate planning needs, Hooper Law Office, providing a pathway to your legacy. Things are getting a little crowded here in the Myron Construction Studio today. I'm Jonathan Krauss, host of this show. Ben Kaminos, host of the soon-to-be-arriving here at WHBY Outside the Box with Ben Kaminos is in as well. Yes, sir. Welcome again. Thank you. And now joining us is our senior Packers correspondent, Zach Morris, as we uh, get ready for the Packers preseason finale tomorrow night in Kansas City. And it was announced uh, by head coach Matt LaFleur that Aaron Rodgers and most of the starters are going to see zero playing time tomorrow, which means Aaron will have seen zero playing time for the entire preseason. Which has been the same since 2018. I mean, you have to remember that since the Lafleur era, Aaron Rodgers has not played in the preseason. And it's been a tactic not just by Coach Lafleur. It's been probably the whole NFL where a lot of top quarterbacks just don't touch the field. And that's the same for starters now. But it's been pointed out that the Packers the last couple of years have had slow offensive starts. Remember what happened last year when they played New Orleans? So in here's what happens. People don't remember that game because <laughs> they were a number one seed. They had a great year. The, the team was healthy. The quarterback was the MVP. It's so it's amazing how so many things worked out for Green Bay where you almost forget that terrible week one game. The fact they got blown up by 35 points is forgotten. So if it would have gone to week two, week three, and the offense continued to struggle, yeah, there would have been huge problems. And you probably look at you have to go to the preseason. But if you have one bad game, I guess you can overlook that, and teams are not afraid of that anymore. Now, one thing that we've had in previous seasons is uh, the Packers' receiving core has been fairly veteran, and Aaron Rodgers has had opportunities to work with guys previous seasons, Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, if you want to go back that far. He's working with a lot of new and younger guys who have not had to carry the load for a while. How does he build up that timing just in practice as opposed to game speed before the season starts? Well, Rodgers always claim practice is more important than actual reps in a preseason. And so far, it seems to be true until he really struggles. It happens this season. Then you can recalibrate that. But he he claims that practice is going well. And the fact that your receivers are still playing with Jordan Love, they're getting their reps, they're learning the offense, trying to be at the right spot. I don't I have a feeling it won't really matter because I think Green Bay will feel fine, especially if they end up starting with Sammy Watkins, who has been a veteran receiver and has grown a rapport with him in practice, still have Randall Cobb, and Dobbs will have an up and down season. There's no doubt about it being a rookie and Christian Watson, if he does play early on, same thing as Dobbs. You're a rookie, regardless how many reps you have with the quarterback. It's going to be a strange season because it's your first year in the big leagues and you notice a huge change in the first few weeks. So I think you might see a little problem early on, off slow offense, but I think as they get to week three, week four, they're going to be pretty fine. 
So who then is the replacement for Devontae Adams? Which of the three you mentioned is the guy who's expected to be on the outside, breaking tackles, getting open in the clutch, making the difficult catches? Right now it seems that Dobbs is that number one option, Ooh. but that's only because we've seen from training camp and preseason it looks promising, but don't sleep on Sammy Watkins because he's actually had some decent seasons. He just never really had a quarterback that would play with them. Yeah, he had Patrick Mahomes, but he also had Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey was never the high-end option. This is a chance for him to actually have a big year in the NFL because he's on a one-year contract. I'm sure he knows, hey, if I can have a great year with Aaron Rodgers, get near 1,000 yards, maybe 10 touchdowns, Someone will pay him an outrageous amount of money, and it won't be Green Bay next year. <laughs> yeah, they don't tend to pay for their receivers. Uh, I just think Sammy Watkins is a little bit too small to be a we've, premier receiver in the league. We've seen smaller receivers go to different teams in their first season have a fantastic rapport. Marvin Jones is the first one I can think of for the Detroit Lions. Sure. Had an up-and-down career so far with the Cincinnati Bengals. Found a way, had a great rapport with Stafford in Detroit, and had a great season a couple of years with him. So you, you, it's always amazing. Some of these receivers can have a big year with their new quarterback. It's all about do they have the motivation to try to get that next contract. And usually that's it. I mean, Devontae Adams was on a tear the last two seasons, but I'm pretty sure it was knowing that big payday was right around the corner also helps. The other concern in camp here for the Packers so far has been offensive line. David Bakhtiari is in individual workouts, but not in actual team workouts right now. Have the Packers given any ideas to when they might be able to bring Bakhtiari back for actual game action? He's in the same boat as Elton Jenkins. I mean, these are both players that was considered they may start on the pup list, be out for six weeks, and we had that report that uh, it's not going well for Bakhtiari when that third surgery news popped yeah. out. And all of a sudden now he's active, meaning he can play week one, which is kind of odd how, hey, I thought he was supposed to be locked up for six weeks. I They're going to be cautious again. There's no doubt about it. If he's ready to go by week one, they're going to put him back out. I mean, there's so much money tied into him. You want to see some return into Bakhtiari. But if he can't play week one, week two, and same thing for Elton Jenkins, They've had enough depth, and really watching the offensive line against the Saints in the preseason, I thought they looked a lot better than they did against San Fran. So I think it's more of just learning the offense, and last year was a pretty deep offensive line crew. So I think once they get rolling, it shows again that this team will be pretty safe at offensive tackle, even if Jenkins and Bakhtiari do miss a week or two. But if they're off the pup list, it can't be that long. And they must feel pretty confident about that because Cole Van Lana was traded today. Yeah, made the trade, which is they drafted him six, uh, six round, got a six round draft pick back. So worked out for well him. And they knew he wasn't going to crack that lineup. They just knew it was never going to happen. So a great opportunity for Cole Van Lana to find a team that wants to take that risk. And Jacksonville has injuries galore every year, yeah. it seems like. So he should have some playing time there. Senior Packers correspondent uh, Zach Morris joining us here on Crossing Company. Let's switch sides of the ball here now on defense. How good is the Packers' D? Can it be a top five in the league defense? We'll find out right away. I mean, that's how it plays out for this team. They look great in the preseason, but then again, what quarterbacks have they played? I mean, yeah, yeah you beat up Book for the Saints. It wasn't Andy Dalton. Maybe that would give them more of a chance to find out. But you'll know week one. I mean, you have Kirk Cousins for the Minnesota Vikings. You won't have to wait to find out if this defense is good or not. If they can stop Minnesota week one, then this is a defense you can look at to say, they could be a top five. We're hearing everything in camp. They look quicker. They're faster. Everything 
it looks stronger. I mean, everything is face shaping up to be a top five defense. But can the tackling happen? It's been the number one problem for the Green Bay Packers. They just were never a tackling team. They can stop the Vikings week one. I feel confident moving forward, especially on the road. They're going to force a lot of turnovers. Is that going to be their game, forcing turnovers? Last year, that was huge. I mean, that's probably where this defense was considered top 10 last year because it seemed interceptions galore, especially Rasul Douglas out of nowhere. It seemed every week he was getting a pick six in that little stretch. So this will have to be a turnover-type defense. I mean, if you are a top 10 defense in the league, it's usually turnovers. You know, being a Pittsburgh fan, their biggest years has been turnovers. You can be that team where you can say, hey, we only allow 70 yards rushing, but if your passing attack is terrible, that's where little stats look kind of strange. Yeah. But if you're high turnover, which they were last year, I would think they'd build on that too. Well, we will uh, find out. Uh, the final preseason game is tomorrow night in Kansas City. Andy Reid is being coy. He's not sure if he's going to start any of his starters either. It's all across the league right now. This used to be that big week of the preseason. Hey, you get to see the starters before you get to the regular season. But there was also a fourth game. Correct. But this is still that same tenure where you're thinking, okay, it's still two weeks before the time to rest. But now I think the fact that joint practices have now been a huge thing in the NFL. It used to be where four or six teams would do this, but now it seems all across the league. And we've heard from players that you get more looks having joint practices than you do in an actual preseason game. You're not being tackled. And I think every team is considering, hey, let's do a joint practice. We'll consider that our dress rehearsal before the season. Well, if that offense struggles, we will look back at this very show where everyone is saying, ah, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to play in the preseason. Hey, 2018 is quite a while. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Zach. Zach Morris uh, joining us uh, here on Crossing Company and uh, talking Packers. And, again, uh, their season, There's the NFL has changed it. When they went to the 17-week regular season, now 18 with the bye, actually, right. 18-week regular season, uh, they trimmed one game off the preseason, but then they left a bye week on Labor Day weekend before everyone kicks off after that. It, it's getting more and more difficult to, to track – how the NFL is scheduled out nowadays. No doubt, but as a fantasy player, uh, I do appreciate <laughs> that. that have you been suckered that. into the Woodward Radio Group I Fantasy been, League? I can be. <laughs> okay. Uh, Leo from the score will be in contact with you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But so I, I'm just interested. Is it a, wouldn't you, Packers fans, wouldn't you want to see what love has? Like, what's the consensus on if, if Rodgers were to retire at the end of the year, would you want to move forward with love, or is it time for plan B? Do we not know yet? I, like, what's what's the situation there? Uh, based on most of these scuttlebutt, people are not comfortable with That was love. kind of my thought. So, I, I mean, mean first preseason think... game, he threw three interceptions. Right. Exactly. And interceptions are kind of becoming a dying breed in this NFL. It's a very accurate NFL these days. Well, especially with the Packers. Ex- oh, God. Please, um, yeah. I saw a graphic, I think it was just yesterday, somebody put up, he has a career interception uh, percentage of 1.6%. Yeah, it's obscene. I remember that one, his, the one MVP year, I think back in 2015, I think he went like 45 and 5 or something like that. Yes. Five picks. Yes. An entire year, and he threw four. He's throwing 40 times a game. He throws five interceptions. But here's the interesting thing. It also leads to criticism because Aaron is not comfortable, the way it looks, throwing guys open, trying to force the ball in when it's absolutely necessary. If he thinks there's a chance it might get picked, he's just going to keep it or he's going to dump it down. So that's something you need to get used to. Yeah, okay. 
I, you know, and you coming from the Steelers element, there was plenty of criticism of Ben Roethlisberger. Oh my, as well. He holds the ball, holds too, the long. ball too long. But then you have these crazy plays where he's yes. shaking people off, and you didn't get that from anyone else. So I'd take that any day of the week over uh, some generic. Quite frankly, Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback, but I can't stand this NFL four yard out routes and play safe and just slowly move down the field. That's style. advanced analytics. Exactly. Wait a minute. Are you a, cloud, a three yards and a cloud of dust guy? I am a three. I, I like that. All right. I also, and I also liked Ben throwing 17 yards down the field to wide receivers. Like so many quarterbacks in this NFL throw the running back, they throw the tight end, and then they back, they, they're too afraid to try and get it outside the numbers. Watch Lamar Jackson play. Watch. I could list Baker Mayfield, list any of them, most of them. And, uh, Aaron Rodgers has the capacity to get it out there. Yes. I always question they never pay their receivers, so he always was a little lacking in that uh, category, but he got it to the receivers. Yep. Look at this. Breaking it down. He's been in town two days. <laughs> My best friend. I actually I grew up in a neighborhood with five other dudes, and I all born and raised Pittsburgh. I was the only Steelers fan. My best friend was a Packers fan. So I know a lot about the Interesting. Packers. Yeah. My family, entirely Packers season ticket holders. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And they won't give me the tickets when the Steelers come to town. <laughs> I'd buy my own or I have to go on a media pass. My little brother is a Ravens fan. He goes oh, to the Steelers-Ravens game be? in Baltimore every how year. How that be? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can relate. I can relate to that. <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Haley Tenpass will join us with a preview of what's coming up next on Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. Back on Cross and Company here on WHBY. Final segment before we turn things over to Haley Ten Pass and Focus Fox Valley. Uh, ben Kaminos, who will be taking over in this time slot outside the box with Ben Kaminos, starting the Tuesday after Labor Day, is in here as well. We're showing him the ropes. Yeah, thanks for the intro. Though. Yeah, we yeah. haven't we haven't scared you off yet. Not yet. Yeah, almost yeah. made a whole hour. Say <laughs> <laughs> he's about three hours in. <laughs> well, we weren't. We were concerned you weren't going to make it today. Because you had to go to the Social Security office. Oh, uh, don't even get me started. We're our monthly guests on Focus Fox Valley. Yeah. Oh, really? And I'm like, oh, you should have gone with Haley. They I probably would have let you name jump dropped. the line. I know. Yes. That's the kind of information that would have been useful an hour ago. Yeah, great people. Great people. <laughs> for sure. All right. So, um, Haley, uh, do you plan to watch the game tomorrow? or Not with much focus. Okay. I mean, it'll be on 100%. Might I busy myself with other tasks during it now, perhaps Haley is in the Woodward Radio Group Fantasy Football League and I'm trying to recruit Ben to join as well so um you guys should be breaking down player tape here this week eh. so you're prepared for the draft I like to go on the fly see ah. my pants I'm a similar approach as well quite frankly I don't do the research the research is nonsense what do they know because so, you research all you want, and then your number two pick gets injured in week six, and you're you're screwed for the rest of the season. So. Week six, it was like week two for you yeah, last year. <laughs> Haley finished DFL, as I recall, last year. That's what I get. Yep. That's and what I get. I that's had the why I was surprised you agreed to play again this year. Just because I took last place? Yes. Well, I got, I got room to grow. Okay. I mean, why wouldn't I? What we need is last place punishment. And Ben, you're probably familiar with this, oh, where no. you know you see the guys, they have to stand in the mall in a fairy outfit, and they hold a sign that says, I suck at fantasy football. Right, yes. Or they have to run nude somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the league in my neighborhood, uh, we have a championship belt for the winner, and then we always belt. said we would have nice. a punishment for the loser, but uh, never got around to that. Okay. I think the punishment effort. is you don't get any money, so. Yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> now, I always used to run a, a nice little uh, hook when I would do fantasy sports and NCAA uh, basketball pools. Last place to get your money back. And everyone feels like, well, I can at least get my money back. And then you have a race to the bottom as well. Nice. I in like addition that to the championship effort. You encourage some tanking there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's no tank, relegation. You might as well tank in style. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going home with my money that I put in here. So what is coming up on Focus Fox Valley today? All right. We got to focus on Oshkosh in our number one. Amy Albright joining us with Visit Oshkosh. A couple of cool things happening. One this weekend, uh, the the... Jazz Festival in Oshkosh this weekend. We're going to get the details from Amy on that. But also, really excited to talk and learn more about the new exhibit at the Pain. It's called The Nature of Light and Exploration After Dark. And the images and video that we've been seeing of this exhibit are stunning, just stunning. This is the, this is an exhibit, though, that you're wanting to see at night. So we'll talk with Amy about the exhibit, uh, how the pain was able to kind of bring it in, and get you a few other details of happenings in Oshkosh in the next coming weeks. If you're going to it, just a warning, because that's over in my neighborhood, um, expect to have to park and walk a considerable distance, because it has been incredibly popular. It's very popular. And there is very limited on-site parking at the pain. Yeah. So... Expect a little bit of a hike. Yeah, there you go. Also today, Jeff Ruffing, Ruffing Automotive, will join us. A chance for you to call in with your car troubles. Jeff is here to help you out. And Volunteer Fox Cities will wrap up our show today. Brad Creighton joins us. And we've also got Kim Verstegen uh, with the Board on Aging and Long-Term Care. They've got a big event coming up, and they really need volunteers. So we'll tell you more about how you can plug into those events and other volunteer opportunities here in Northeast Wisconsin. Fantastic. We look forward to that. Haley Tenpass here on WHBY in about uh, 17 minutes. Ben, thank you very much for coming in to join me today. Of course. Now, I might be checking out that light show, honestly. I was listening to that. And I was like, it That's... is uh, something else. <laughs> yeah. and, and not you know projected up in the sky, but rather projected upon the walls and the ground. Oh, nice. So that is the way okay. that the art is presented. Oh. Very interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, nothing I'd uh, seen like that before. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at your schedule. And you're going to be in with me from 8.30 until 9 tomorrow morning. Oh, boy. Yeah, that first half hour. I'm excited yeah. to see how that operates in here. Yeah, so you'll get to go inside the headlines. Nice. How much fun will that be? Yeah. I'll tell you what. I, uh, I'm i looking forward to it, honestly, because I've been doing my own research. But, I mean, I'm sure there's so many different elements to different stories going on locally that I need to be made aware of. So, I mean, like this segment's going to be great as far as I'm concerned. Well, the good news is everybody's been here forever. So. Right. It's easy to just pull someone aside and say, hey, what's going on with this thing? Oh, yeah, that's been happening since such and such. (laughs) Right. Nobody ever leaves here. (laughs) All right. So uh, thank you, Ben. Thank you. And again, uh, you will hear Ben with Outside the Box starting the Tuesday after Labor Day here on WHBY in this very time slot as I move to four to six. Time now for My Two Cents daily opinion feature here on Krausen Company. It's very hard to determine whom I'm supposed to feel sorry for in the student loan debt crisis. Having been a student loan holder at one time, I guess I should feel sympathetic for those also in debt. But I did receive services for the money that I paid, just like they did. Plus, I got on the Dave Ramsey plan and paid those loans off early, due exclusively to living below my means for a while and spending every extra penny on debt repayment. I will grant you, this was before the days of unlimited data packages for cell phones and 10 subscription streaming services, each carrying just one show that I want to watch, and when only pizza places delivered food to your door, and I didn't drink coffee that can apparently only be made at drive through places along frontage roads. But there was also no two-year pandemic relief 
forbearance period, during which time I was still working and making money, but having to pay absolutely nothing. And yet, we still managed to send Sally Mae packing long before she was scheduled to do so. I really want to feel sorry for college instructors who are being told that what they taught students in the past is now considered to be so invaluable and overpriced that the president himself is stepping in to offer financial relief, like the students were the victims of some extensive Ponzi scheme or natural disaster. But it is those instructors who chose what to teach in all those classes. It's not like K-12 through education where the school district or the State Department of Public Instruction decides what's going to be taught, and teachers just kind of follow along with the syllabus. And if that instruction doesn't fit the needs of modern society, then that is on the instructor. Plus, students get to choose their own majors and degree programs, so if they want to pursue learning that has no career path, that's on them too. There's no way I'm feeling sorry for college administrators. Flush with the easy cash provided to growing student populations for decades, they went hog wild in creating layer upon layer of administration and support services for nearly every campus in the country not to mention the campus building booms, all of which justified annual tuition and student fee increases, which fed the student loan debt cycle even more. Whatever money was left over went into endowment and reserve funds that ranged from hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. And to keep the cash flowing, admission requirements were lowered to ensure that even more people could get loans to come to school, even if they had no chance of being successful there. I'm not even going to do the political pandering thing and say that I feel sorry for the American taxpayer, whom everyone believes is ultimately going to foot the bill for this. That's because current taxpayers are not the ones that will be paying. What student, whatever student loan debt relief that is ultimately offered will be just another line in the next trillion dollars added to the national debt. And the interest on that is going to be paid by the next generation of taxpayers, not me unless you're a modern monetary theorist who believes that the debt should never be repaid and only continue to pile up because, hey, we can always print more money. So instead of feeling sympathy, empathy, or even relief for those with student loan debt, I'll be over here feeling nothing but contempt. Contempt that will grow as what should have been compensation for services rendered at college campuses is instead converted to the aforementioned cellular data, streaming services, home food deliveries, and drive through coffees. And contempt that will explode when those given a second chance now are back with hands extended asking for more in a few years. Oh, uh, by the way, debt forgiveness is considered income, so you will have to pay taxes on whatever President Biden gives you. You might want to keep that in mind for next April. Remember, there are 87,000 new IRS agents coming on board that will be looking for that kind of oversight. I'm Jonathan Krause. That's my two cents. You can check it out anytime you like on our website, whby.com. That will uh, do it for today's edition of Krause and Company. My thanks to Miles McGuire from the Oshkosh Examiner for joining us to go inside the headlines. Art Hartman uh, from the Coalition to... Uh, continue human space exploration We're talking about the artemis one launch coming up next week and then the folks from a little shoot high school as well to uh, give us the latest on their new football and uh, soccer field over there at fitzpatrick field and of course to ben kamenos the new guy here at whby 
I'm Jonathan Krause, back again tomorrow at uh, 8.30 for more another edition of Krause & Company. Next, it's Haley Tenpass and Focus Fox Valley. Have a great day.